you have single-handedly changed our family because of mastermind because i felt safe enough and realized with your help realized that it's not just about the picking up of the toys and the back talk and the productive conversation scripts it's not about that it's about healing myself and becoming a better version of myself and showing up and being able to be that way for my entire family I really credit you with doing something that I literally have not been able to do with countless therapists and all the journaling and all the thinking and all the meditating and all the things. It was because of you. So thank you for helping heal what I thought was unhealable. If I'm that angry, do I want Matt coming over to me being going, your fists are clenched? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I won't say it right. like that. Your fists are clenched and your face is really red. I'd want to punch him in the face. Right, right. <laughs> it's how right. condescending is that? That's not right. what I need. Right. Somebody telling That's me right. that I'm angry? Oh, right. go on and tell me I'm PMSing at the same time. <laughs> right. Right. Or you go know, like, or like the or like the saying, no one in the history of calming down ever calmed down from being told to calm down. Yeah, right? yeah. It's just like I don't know. I wanna write something on this topic because I don't think it's helping us. And it's definitely not helping the one, two, three set. Because they can't even hear you. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like you know? <laughs> right? I mean, it just sounds like stimulation, more stimulation. I mean, I used to say so much stuff to Rosie when she was tantruming and it It just made everything worse. If I whispered it, it might work. My name is Randy Rubenstein, and welcome to the Mastermind Parenting Podcast. At Mastermind Parenting, we're on a mission to support strong-willed kids and the families that love them. Hi, everyone. How was your week? If you haven't listened to part one of episode 257 with Michaeline Duclef, my favorite author of the book, Hunt, Gather, Parent. I wouldn't say she's my favorite author of every genre, but she is my favorite author in the parenting section of books, right? Because her book doesn't read like a normal parenting book. It really reads like uh, a journalistic perspective. And I just find her fascinating and her research fascinating. So if you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to go back and listen to that first. And if you have listened to part one, she's just a delightful human, is she not? And I really loved this conversation all about judgment. So here is part two. Uh, Enjoy. For Rosie and I, our relationship changed probably the most when when I stopped giving her a hundred commands an hour. That was a <laughs> that was like a huge breakthrough. But also when I started, it was hard, but really believing that she could teach me something. Mm. Because they have so much to teach us. They have so, so much to much teach us, to but teach really us. believing it. And I and it took it took months, even like even years for me to again, it's it's habits. It's how I'm trained for me to have to stop and think, wait, it's like, okay, maybe her idea is good. Maybe we should try it, <laughs> you know? But what it did was once I started really believing that she could teach me something and the knowledge could flow both ways was I actually started listening to her, right? Because if you have all the knowledge and all, you, you are all knowing, you're this all knowing being, you don't need to listen to the person. You can nod your head and go, mm-hmm, 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 but you don't actually need to listen. But if you start to 
really believe that this little creature, this little tiny poor thing creature can teach you something, then you actually pay attention to them, to what they're saying. And, and they feel that. They know when you're really listening to them and taking their input. And man, does it make them feel good? And does it make them motivated to work with you and motivated to be on your side? And it just changes the whole dynamic of the relationship. So beautiful because it's also like, imagine if you're a little person and your big people are actually listening, not just listening to you, but learning. Like, mm, yeah, that's a great idea. I wouldn't have thought of that. Like, what a confidence builder. Oh, huge, huge. Because you're, you think about it from their shoes. You're everything to them. Your life, your safety, your food. I mean, you, you are so needed for their survival. And for that, those people to take your ideas or just even ponder them, even just say, Let, let's think about that. That's a good idea. Let me, let's think about that. Ah, oh, it's, it's like they've, you know, you hung the moon and it's like, they've come and they're helping you hang it. <laughs> you know, it's, it, I'm telling you, it, it's, I think it's why kids in our neighborhood at Rosie school, like love to be in our house because I treat them that way. I really listen to them that, the psychiatrist, psychologist, Laura Gottlieb, right? The famous mm -hmm. pop psychologist. She has some line in her book that I always think about, like the deliciousness of being seen, like really being seen. And it is, it's, it's delicious. I feel it, it when people, my colleagues, you, my husband really sees me. It's, it feels like eating a sundae. It's that yes. delicious. And that's what I see in Rosie when I really... Sometimes I would even ask her, I was like, we've got this, I've got this problem at work, Rosie. Can you help me with it? She like comes over, you know, she like comes yeah. over and like, you know, and like just talking to her helps me, right? And like, it, I think it, it really changed my relationship with her when I, when I started really believing she could teach me something. But you have to believe it. Well, it's just, <laughs> it's like, well, you have to believe it, but it's also like when Corey was a counselor at camp with seven and eight-year-olds, and it was such an impactful time for him. And they were all homesick at the beginning, so oh, homesick for many things. days. And and he had never been a counselor before. There was like It was right after COVID, and so there was a counselor shortage. So they were like putting a 16-year-old in, like without really having a senior counselor. So yeah. Kind of. Anyway, so he was – running a lot by me that month. He learned so much. I he we just talked about it the other day cuz that was not last summer but the summer before. He's that was one of the times in his life where he felt most alive. Mm. And he came home from camp with pneumonia. Like his body was run down. Like he was the mom of a cabin, you know, of kids and he learned so much. And he was at first, at the beginning, he was running a lot by me in terms of the kids being homesick. And he was like, the adults, like the like the lady who's the camp mom, like they're doing it wrong, mom. They're lying mm. to these kids. They're telling them that they'll call their parents. It's like mm. they're leading them on rather than leveling, leveling with them. Yeah. So he was running a lot of things by me. And at first, I was giving him advice, right? Well, say, do this, say this, whatever. And then I shifted and I said, actually, you know what to do. Oh, like, that's good. 
I was like, you know what to do. Like you have been raised knowing what to do. And so I want you to lean into what feels like the right response, what feels like the right thing to do. And then that's when I think you really felt that sense of agency and autonomy. Yeah. And he said to me probably like midway through the session, he was in love with these children. He said, mom, these kids are amazing. He's like, he's like, he was like, you have to talk to them. Like they're so with it. You have to talk Mm. to them. Like Mm. basically like they're your age. They know they're lying to him. They know they're like, I know she's not calling my mom. I know she's not calling my mom. He's like, and so they don't want to be lied to. So when I talk to them and I'm like, yeah, I don't think she's calling your mom either. You know, what are we going to do to get through this? He's like, I have to level. I have to be like, dude, look, I know you'd rather be home. Like, how are we going to make the best of it? Like, I, I remember, I know how you're feeling. He's like, you have to just level with them. That's the only way they get through it. That's so great. I love it. I love that he, you, I love that you helped him, but then you also like pointed out when he had it. You know, like that's what a good, that's what a good mentor, a good boss, a good coach, what does is like, okay, yeah, you're ready. We had these little barn swallows in our porch and we watched them get hatched. They had a little nest and they hatched their, their little babies and we watched them and you, you could see the day that the parents knew the, the barn swallows were ready to fly because they just left them. They like abandoned them. <laughs> and like, I was like, where are the parents? Where are the parents? And I realized that it would, they were getting them to come out and, and start flying. And that, that's, that's what you did. I, I, that's, it's very beautiful, Randy. I love it. Um, okay. So let's play a couple of scenarios of uh, where moms left messages in my group. Okay. I got permission from them about judgy relatives. Judgy relatives, right? It's the worst. Hi, ladies. I have a kind of question, I guess, for you guys. We went to like a flower farm today with my mom, which I don't do a whole lot with my mom. Our relationship is eh, kind of weird, but I still try to involve her. So I invited her. My kids were a little bit (laughs) all over the place. Uh, Briar was running away and yelling and wanting to do what she wanted to do. And Layla was very hyper. I think she was just super excited. It was really fun. She was cutting flowers, but also was not listening to what I was asking. And basically they were running in opposite directions and not listening to me. And um, my mom's, you know, kind of just standing there. And my mom doesn't say anything, but I still know in her mind, I know the way that she parents, she watches my nephews on a constant basis. And obviously I know the way that she parented me. It's like, why, you know, why are you not yelling at your children? Why are you not, whether it's spanking them, why are you not getting upset and very, very firm with them? And in my mind, I was like, well, there's nothing really I can do in public for this, you know, trying to do the whole, you know, give Briar, you know, I can hold you or you can hold my hand type of stuff. Um, Layla, I didn't really know what to do with, um, but how do I deal with the emotions of, uh, I don't know if it would be shame or what, when it looks like I'm not parenting the way that I know that my mom would and the judgment that I feel about that. I 
I'm just trying to figure out like a phrase or something that I should say to myself. It's like, I know I just, I'm doing what I need to be doing for my family. Um, I know this is the right way. I shouldn't give a crap because what she did, you know, was not super helpful for me. Um, but still kind of just like a mantra, I guess, that I could say to myself when I am feeling, whether it feels like shame that I don't have my kids in, you know, quotations control. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Lots of wise. Was- <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I mean, but like her mom wasn't saying anything. Right. But she perceived it, right? And yeah, so and she's the, I like, mean, kids are yeah. the same with her, right? They perceive, you don't need to say anything. We are emotional mirrors of our parents, right? We, f- we feel it. It's all feelings. You don't need to say anything. Kids know your emotion, you know, for sure. So I have some ideas. I don't know if you want to yeah. go first. Maybe. No, I want I want to I want to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I think for me, I would probably not say anything in the moment, especially if there's a tension that she's picking up and she's feeling tense and she's feeling shamed and judged and put down. I think she's already got enough to handle right there, you know? She's got to handle the kids. It's like you don't need to handle your your mom as well. You know, it's like I think she will be adding fuel to the fire to say anything in that moment. And so the mantra that I have with my mom, I have a very similar situation with my mom, is, you know, it's not going to help to say anything to her right now. It's kind of like when the child is having a tantrum and you're trying, you're talking to them, it's the same. It's like, it's not going to help right the second to try to teach him a lesson. This needs to be done at a time when nobody feels, Nobody has adrenaline rushing through their body. Nobody has cortisol in their body, right? And it's like this this is a conversation that needs to happen very calmly and in private. And and so I I would say to myself, it's not gonna help right now to say anything. I'm gonna focus on getting this kids. And then, just like I say in the book with kids, it's like then you find a time to talk to to her about how how she's making you feel, you know? And and it's almost exactly like I would say to Rosie or I would say to Matt, like just being honest with them, with them. And like, I, I felt like a shame from you and I felt like you were judging me and, you know, I'm trying my hardest and I'm, you know, I, you could explain what the goals are with, with the kids. And, um, but I, I would wait, I would wait. I would not do it at that moment. Yeah. That's what she did. And, so when you're dealing with a parent that spanked and shamed yeah. and screamed and in their mind, you know, cause everybody wants to believe they're a good parent. And so in their mind, they have selective memory in their minds. They had kids that knew how to behave in public. Right. Right. And so therefore it worked. And so when you go and you say to them, hey, this is how I was feeling, and it didn't feel helpful. Right. Right? And so you have a boundary around it. I think, you know, when you're honest, it's almost like you just have to expect that, especially a mom that used spanking and yelling and shaming 
to control you as a child. And now this mom is dealing with the repercussions of that and she has an autoimmune issue and she's, she's heightened cortisol mom. Mm -hmm. Um, right. Mm -hmm. That's what (laughs) my, right. Right. Another reason to like, wait, because in those moments we we are going to be more impulsive. It's just by definition, right. That, I mean, the fact that she would, she did wait and she had, and she had that, I mean, I'm pausing for applause for Jordan because she didn't say anything to her in the moment, Mm. but when she goes out of the moment and has a calm conversation with her, it's almost like you have to be prepared. Like you're going to be honest because you're a person of integrity and you show up in honesty. Right. And also, I think you've got to also bring your pack leadership um, and your boundaries understanding that like there's a very good chance that your mom that screamed and spanked and did all the things may say, well, I never would have let you act like that. And you knew how to behave in public. Right? Like, you know, it's interesting because I had this, I mean, I'm not saying that the parent is going to change the grandparents, you know, and, and I don't think we can expect our parents to change, but I do I do think we can tell them how they make us feel and how their actions make us feel. And it's interesting because I had a similar conversation with my mom. So my mom is um, in many ways a fantastic person. I mean, I, I owe so much of me to her and so much of the, some great things about me. But she has a hard time with Rosie sometimes in the supermarket or kind of similar to what is happening here where Rosie's kind of doing too much or not listening to her, you know? And I said to her one day, not in the moment, I said, you know, do you remember when you were little and your mom, my grandma, kind of stifled your spirit? You know, because sometimes she'll talk about like she had these plans to like sell all this Halloween stuff and it got, her mom came in and took it all away. Like, so I said, you know, I think you and Rosie are really similar that way. You have all these great plans and you have all these, you know, you have this incredible spirit. I mean, I see them. They're very similar. Like you're going to go and you're, you're going to go and get something and you want to do it yourself. And you want, you know, you just, you want to do it. And do you remember when your mom took that away and tried to stifle that? Like, how did that make you feel? And she was like, oh, I didn't like it at all. And I was like, well, I'm trying to let Rosie have more of that and have that freedom to express that part of her. And I'm trying to, to not stifle it like the way your mom did. So instead of putting it like all on just me, I kind of tried to show her a little bit about how she was treated and kind of what she wanted at, you know, put her back in, in the kid, the kid's seat and try to remember it really changed her. And I wasn't trying to change her. I was just really trying to be honest. Like, you know, um, it really shifted her. She was like, oh, I see. I understand now why you're kind of step stepping off, so stepping back a little bit and not being That's so brilliant. controlling. Brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant because what you did was you actually, you coached her by using empathy, by going into her perspective from when she was a kid. Yes. And that was, I mean, 
that was just a brilliant way to help her to see Rosie's perspective. Right, right. I mean, it took like years, like seven years (laughs) for me to come up with it. But like, it did, it did change things, you know, but it was honest. I, I, I really feel like if we come from our, like a, where we like we're in touch with our bodies and how we're feeling and we tell a person that you know they might get upset but it, it, it will change the dynamic in the conversation right and well you set the tone for that com- yeah you really set the tone for that conversation by also just like you included her yes. right like rather yes. than othering her that's right. It makes me feel judged when you yada, yada, yada. Instead, yes. you went directly into it by seeing her perspective yes. and touching on something that she could connect with and she could identify. And then she did what humans do. She was able to connect the dots. And yeah. because that's what empathy does. Empathy brings you up into your thinking brain. And now mm. you are in a place where you're able to receive information. You're not in your defensive emotional state. Right. 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 I hadn't thought that of it. That was so way. brilliant. That was so brilliant. Yeah. I oh, love, love, love that. <laughs> okay. So I think because that was such a good scenario, we're only going to read one one scenario and I think we're going to wrap it up because we could just do this all day. You know, I'll say one more thing that I learned this week that I hadn't, and you can totally edit this out. (laughs) Um, But I, I hadn't thought of this and the psychologist that I talked to on their podcast interpreted it this way and I was blown away by it. So you know how we're taught in, in America to validate children's feelings or or I don't know if validates right where that's what we call it, but like um, yeah. tell them how they're feeling is kind of how I see it. Like I know you're angry, I see you're angry. You probably can do it much better than I. I I'm gonna do it. Um, but interestingly, I think what I saw and what I learned around the world was a different view of that. I never saw that. And I never, and it gets to a little bit about what we were just talking about. I never heard a parent say that to a child. I see you're angry. I I think that there's some like lack of emotional autonomy there going on. But, but what I did see was the parent respond in a way that showed the child how their action was making the parent feel. So for instance, one of the ways I really got Rosie to, um, stop hitting me was I would, t- she, if she hit me, I would say, ow, that hurt. Do you not like me? And I have it on tape and everything. It's incredible. And the first time I did it, Rosie thought to herself and she said, oh no, no mama, I love you. And this is in the book. I th- I'm pretty sure it's in the book. It's in the, in one of the NPR stories too. And the psychologist told me, she's like, I was so struck by this because what you're teaching her is how her actions make other people feel. And it's not just how her feelings are affecting herself. And um, I think kids should understand how their feelings affect themselves. I think that's important, but I think maybe just focusing on that, we lose sight of this idea that we are in this like communal relationship and with our family and our friends and, our actions do affect other people and then and our emotions do. And and I don't know, I just thought that that was such an interesting point of like, how do we teach children 
to do what you just talked about, come up into their like, their in touch with their empathy and their thoughts. And, and I think that maybe that's one way is being honest with them about how their emotions and their actions are affecting us, you know, not to the point Mm. where we're so upset and like we're out of control, but like, I think we have this idea in our society that like, you can't make me feel a certain way. I have a boundary. You know, Mm. my mom often says that like, but you can't make me feel a way because I have boundaries. And I'm like, okay, great. You have boundaries. I think we also need some boundaries, but you do make me feel ways. And I do make you feel ways because we love each other and we help each other and we need each other. And I think it's important for kids to learn that as well as like how are your emotions making, making you feel. Anyway, you can just I, cut that out. I think you don't like no, it. But I no, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to cut anything out. This is the point of these. I think there's an interesting nuance. We're helping kids to understand this interconnectedness. Yeah. Right. We're all connected to each other yes. in some way. Right. And whether, even if you think about things in nature, like we are all, there's an inner connectedness that is meant, that is part of the humor, human experience that I think in a capitalistic society, many of us have, have been trained not to think of it's just like you That's and yours. Right. That's right. Right. And more and more and more and, the, and in competition, but there's that, there's this beautiful interconnectedness that exists in these indigenous cultures And I think where we get hung up quite often is because of just the nature of Western society. Um, I think there's so much codependence. Like I'm responsible for your emotions and you're responsible for my emotions. And so often parents will say like that, you know, that made me sad or, you know, you know, how do you think that makes me feel? Mm-hmm. When you do this, it makes me sad. And so I think there's a nuance what you described, right? And even like, like, I mean, the majority of communication is not words. It's tone and it's body language. So your body language in that moment is, is not, it's not manipulative in any way. It's honest. It's no, I mean, I think somebody that somebody smacks big, you, yeah, it, it hurts. When it hurts. somebody smacks you, it's jarring. It hurts. Ow. Yeah. And I mean, I think that there's right, a, like it's like you're swinging way to these extremes, right? It's like we either don't care about what you know. Other people can't make me feel a certain way. I have a boundary, which is one view. To the other extreme of like, I am responsible for your emotions. There's so much in between, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, there's just so much, and in. To stay in either set is like, I think I'm responsible for your emotions is like, okay, that's impossible. There's no emotional autonomy there. I mean, that's just, that's just a fantasy world. It doesn't exist. And then the other, uh, I think they both are fantasy worlds. We just, we can't deny the fact, look, these children are born connected, literally, (laughs) right? I mean, the child is physically connected to the mom and then they're physically connected to some source of food. They're, you know, they need the mom to hold them. They will die. We are born into a connective world. And then as they're little, they absolutely need us. They need connections. They need deep, deep physical, mental connections to us. And because of that connectivity, what we do influences each other, influences, not responsible for, 
influences each other's that's feelings the nuance. and emotions. That's the nuance. And I think we're missing that in a lot of our parenting advice is like, it's okay for your child to make you feel bad. <laughs> I mean, right? That's okay. In fact, right? She, absolutely she's going to. And I'm going to make her feel bad at moments. And I think it's coming and saying, hey, that made, that made me feel bad. That, that hurt my feelings. That's when we learn how to treat each other with kindness. You know, right. I'm, not, like, I'm not saying you did it intentionally. I'm not saying that you're responsible for my feelings, but hey, that, that hurt my feelings, you know? Right. And I didn't like it. I, yeah. You know, or would you like yeah. it if I did that to you, you know? So anyway, I thought it was really interesting like this, because I've, I've thought a lot about this, like naming of emotions and it's very fascinating because it, from some perspective, it's the parent telling the child how they feel. Mm-hmm. Like one of the moms here said, uh, parents always say, well, you're tired. And I mean, of course we do know when the kids are tired, but like, it's like you, you're, you're in their brain and you know how they feel. What do you know. think about this? Like I was taught when we taught, when we're looking at a kid, let's say a kid is in extreme, what seems like anger Yes. to describe, like if you have a kid tantruming on the floor screaming, you're like, and this is from a program for teachers, conscious discipline. Mm-hmm. your face is red, your fists are clenched, you're doing this, it seems like you're angry. So it seems like you're angry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you describe the way, what the child is physically doing. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like you seem mm-hmm. this or you seem that leaves room for the child to say, I'm not tired. I'm not angry. And <laughs> and then and then to respond, but then to respond, oh, okay. How are you feeling? What is yeah, it then? Yeah. What's really going on? Maybe. You disagree? I just I've never seen this behavior from a from a parent. And so it really makes me question it. I really question these things that we do that we've never done before. And we mm-hmm. and we kind of swallowed them hook, line, and sinker a little bit. Like to the point where like we aren't questioning them. Nobody questions this. I personally am more about emotional autonomy. I made up this term when I got back from traveling of like letting people have their emotional moments, being there for little kids, being next to them, maybe touching them, maybe holding out a hand. Do you need to touch me? And you know what touch does to a child when they're upset? I mean, it's insane. Your words can never do what the touch does. Never. In my new book, I'm going to talk about that. Like what a, just a, a, a stroke on the arm will do to your brain. Or eye contact. Like or, that's yeah. what my daughter was saying when she babysat. Like it's amazing, mom. If you just – when a kid is starting to like spin off the rails, if you just get them – just look into my eyes just for a minute. If you get yeah. down on their level and get them to yeah. look in your eyes, it's like you – cast a magical spell on them and all of a sudden you see their body relax. The, the deliciousness of being seen, you know? I mean, I also feel like it's a script, you know, that you're kind of mm. running through. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, yeah. I'm not in love with it and I won't, I won't do it. Yeah. I mean, we have a kid at our yeah. school that has a lot of anger problems and I don't know. I don't think I would ever do that. We worked through a lot of it. Now, could I talk about it later with them? Maybe. 
It's interesting. I don't think it's really necessary because I'll tell you why that program's so successful, Conscious Discipline, because they're all about creating a school family. And oh, so they give and they give and they give kids jobs and everybody gets to have a job and they have all these rituals. Oh, yeah. And there's it's all and so I think a lot of those scripts, you're right, I don't think they're necessary. I think mm. it's like and when one when one member of the school family is struggling, they literally have roles where other kids, it's like their job for the day to go and help and to be next to somebody who's having a hard time mm. and to, and to help them, to be with them, to support them, right? And That's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at it this way. If I'm that angry, do I want Matt coming over to me being going, your fists are clenched? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I won't say it right. like that. Your fists are clenched and your face is really red. I'd want to punch him in the face. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's how right. condescending is that? That's not right. what I need. Right. Somebody telling That's me right. that I'm angry. Oh, right. go on and tell me I'm PMSing at the same time. <laughs> right. Right. Or you go know, like, or like the or like the saying, no one in the history of calming down ever calmed down from being told to calm down. Yeah, right? yeah. It's just like I don't know. I want to write something on this topic because I don't think it's helping us. And it's definitely not helping the one, two, three set. Because they can't even hear you. Mm-hmm. It just sounds like you know? <laughs> right. I mean, it just sounds like stimulation, more stimulation. I mean, I used to say so much stuff to Rosie when she was tantruming and it, it just made everything worse. If I whispered it, it might work. Yeah. You know what I've been teaching because I know that it works is especially with highly sensitive kids who are just, you know, stimulation overload and they start to spin off the rails. And when they get violent, you know, a lot of times it's like parents are like, what am I supposed to do when he's trying to smack me in the face and flailing and destroying his room or whatever? And so parents feel powerless. And so I've been teaching this, this thing. I said, well, you have to just keep safety in your brain. Anytime anyone is unsafe, including you, Right. Including sure. you. Absolutely. Um, your number one job is safety. So if you've got a if you've got a kid that is completely spinning off the rails, right? Dysregulated, then something that's helpful is to go behind them and bear hug them. No. And I want you to think think of yourself as a human weighted blanket. Like yes. weighted yes. blankets yes. exist for a reason because it helps to ground the nervous system. Well, they're designed after people. Right. It's a hug. It's a it's a like a It's a hug. Artificial hug is what a weighted blanket right. is. <laughs> right. Yes. And so if you're if you're from behind and you're bear hugging them, number one, it's not predatory because you're not making mm-hmm. eye contact. Mm-hmm. You're behind them. And you know, if you can do a little deep tissue, yeah. Like like yeah. a lot of times that's what a super dysregulated person needs. And so you're bear hugging them from behind. And if you have to say anything, because any words is just extra input extra. to somebody who's already spinning. So if you have to do anything, first of all, I would just take my deep breaths and their mirror neurons will hopefully yes. kick in as you're taking breaths. And if you have to say anything, you just say, you're safe. I'm right here. Yeah. Or you're I love safe. You. I'm right here. You know, there was a period where Rosie was a little violent and I just got to the point where I completely ignored it. <laughs> I, I literally did not care. I was just like, throw the chair. 
I mean, she was little. She was like three or four. So it wasn't like she was going to, and I knew she wasn't going to like really destroy things. Like it, it wasn't about that. It was about something else. But I'm sure parents would think I'm crazy, but I just sat there working one day. <laughs> just like, mm-hmm. And she stopped after like a couple minutes. And it's so good. And she rarely did it again. I mean, she rarely, once I completely ignored it, she rarely, she, I don't remember doing it again. She didn't get any attention for that. And chances are she was doing something really big and dramatic because if you freaked out, then you would have accidentally shown her, oh, when you do these really destructive things, you get all of Taylor Swift's attention, right? <laughs> like, like ignoring bad behavior is used everywhere, but it is really ignoring. And this is like a point, I, I don't know if it got emphasized enough in the book. It is really ignoring. It is looking past the child as if you cannot give an inkling of like, you know, because they know if you're like slyly looking or you're like, it is like deadpan. I don't even know you're here. Mm-hmm. And it is potent. potent. Potent for a child. I mean, the it most is, potent tool. I mean, And I rarely potent. use it. Rarely use it because it's so potent. But to not be seen, again, we go back to being seen, to completely be like you're a ghost in the house, the child will stop. But you have to regulate yourself. Oh, it takes so much mind mastery. You know, it, it takes, is like I yeah. just put the head I put the headphones on. I was just going the computer. You know, I mean, yeah, I am all for hugging and touching. It's but sometimes you're just like, I've tried that and oh, I'm I not, did. I'm I, not I, getting it, and so I'm disengage I'm, and walk away. Is oh yeah, this is just for the bear hugging is when you have a violent child that's going to harm themselves them. or someone else yes. or property. Yes, yes, right? yes. I agree. I totally agree. And it's what yeah. I think that's what they need. You're right. There's it's like only whole, for the vi- yeah the violent yeah. because when it's yeah disengaging and walking away and not oh. giving any airtime to it that it's gonna go away. It's That's, so much more powerful than sitting there saying like you're angry at me. I mean it's I mean it's so much more powerful. Like to this point, Rosie knows like if I turn look at her or look through her like above her, which is like the signal of like I don't see you. I saw this all the time. So you look kind of above the child, turn your back and walk away. She knows. She'll say to me, "Mo, no, Mama, no, no. I'm so sorry. Don't do. Don't walk away." So good. It's like the worst thing, right? To basically say, "I don't have time." Well, it also works. I'll tell you, it works with um, when you have a little kid. They all go through the potty language. I hear this all the time. Oh, and, right. Yes. Right. And so I remember yes. because a lot of these things, I was just in it when my kids were going through it, and I didn't know what I know now. I mean, so. Now, when I've gone through the last eight years with my niece, oh, right. I'm much more aware because it sort of helped in the reverse engineering of my process. Because now, because I'm not in it every day, I can just sort of – it's almost like I become like the watcher in my in yeah. myself, right? Like yes. So I start to – it's really cool. I it's love a, that, the watcher in yourself. Yeah. Yes. It's like, That's it's like, like your like, subconscious watching your – you're conscious watching your subconscious. Yeah, it's so it's so weird when it when I guess it's like when you're in the moment. And I remember when she was like, I want to say she was like four or four. She wasn't five. I think she was about four, maybe five. And we w- we had taken her somewhere for the day, and we were out on this dock, 
And Scott and I were, were, it was just like this beautiful scene and there was these um, little porpoises coming by and we were just kind of hanging out. And then Scott and I were talking about something and she wanted our attention and she started using whatever. She was like, poopy, you know, saying whatever. (laughs) And Scott and I just kept talking and she escalated and she started Mm -hmm. saying it louder. And finally, I just looked at her. And I was like, almost like a look of like disgust or annoyance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, and then I just went back to talking to Scott. And so like, you gave her the look. <laughs> I gave her, I gave her a look of like, not anger, but just like that this, look I of like, need this. like ugh. this isn't landing. Like that <laughs> might be shtick sh- that works on the five-year-old crowd, <laughs> right, but like, right. you know, the 50-year-old crowd, not so much. And so I just like gave her this look. And then I went back to talking to Scott and like, she tried about, two or three more times. Mm. And when she continued to not get a response, she just stopped and she never did it again. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just told her in that one look, like this behavior is not acceptable, basically. Like this is just not- I'm not, I'm not going to engage with that behavior. Like it's not interesting to me. And it's not how we act. It's not how you act. It's not how you act. You're better than this. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. I have higher expectations of you. Yeah, you're better than this. Be better. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I think this is going to – I have a feeling we are going to break this up into two episodes, so we're all good. And I'm <laughs> Sorry, loving I like, that. No, do not apologize. Like this and is then what, I was like, and then there's this whole other topic I want to bring up. <laughs> this is why This is why we're doing this. This is like so much fun to me. I can't even tell you. So Aww. never apologize Aww. ever, ever, ever. So much fun. I think – I think our next topic is going to be about that lovely sibling relationship. And as you've seen the sibling relationship, which instead of it being all about sibling fighting, I want to call it sibling cooperation and sibling support. Sibling support. Absolutely. I mean, there always is a little, but I never saw it once. I only saw support. It's amazing. Love and generosity and there's lots of stories. That's what I want to tackle because I've always tackled it from a sibling fighting perspective because mm. it's it's like the bane of every mom with multiple kids existence. Yes. Nothing can trigger you more than having two people that you love with all your heart fighting. And yeah, that are living together. I mean, it's the worst. It is the absolute worst. It's like yeah. because when two people are fighting and you have to pick a side, it's like if it's between someone you love and the rest of the world, you're like, I'm yeah. going to choose the person I love. But it's like multiple people you love. And it's a right. it's an impossible position to be in as a mom. So I love learning about what this sibling support really looked like. And I think that's going to be a fun conversation. Okay. There's tons. And I need, I need to write. Everyone always asks me and I need to write. A, I think NPR is going to do a sibling series and maybe we'll – I need to write something on it because there are really, there's things you can do. I mean, it's not, and they're not what people tell you. So. Yeah. Okay. We're going to tackle that next. So if okay. you have a sibling, sibling scenario, you can always send it to info at mastermindparenting.com. And that wraps our episode or episodes. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for being here. I loved oh, it. Thank you so much. I learned so much. Me too. Okay. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening today, guys. I hope you picked up some tips, tools, 
maybe some baby steps for creating more balance and boundaries in your life. And I just wanted to let you know, if you want to continue moving the needle forward in creating this for yourself, having a happier household, I want you to go to my website and check out mastermindparenting.com. We have three beginning programs. And if you need some accountability and more support, then please look for the one that would be a good fit for you. Um, And as always, we're on all the social channels under Mastermind Parenting. On Instagram, it's mastermind underscore parenting. Um, And, you know, periodically I do pop up on different Instagram lives, Facebook lives, where I give you teaching and coaching. And I love engaging with you live to help you help your strong-willed kids so that they can feel better. Because when they feel better, they do better. And, um, I love, love, love getting to know you guys. So thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Super, super appreciative.